0: You remember Han Solo in Star Wars said, I don't believe in this Jedi, you know, mumbo-jumbo. And then by the Force Awakens last year, um, he's become a believer. Now, you're not at the wrong church. We're not a Jedi church. <laughs> We're a Christian church. But we do have this skepticism. Is the Bible true? Is God really real? Is Jesus who he really says he is? And I can't speak for you. I can speak for myself. I was skeptical. I went to church just because my mom and dad made me. And I said, This is all right, this is nice, but I don't know if it's true. But I did come to the point in my life where I became that older Han Solo. And I say to you, I can't deny, but to just simply say, This is true that Jesus is real, that the Bible is what it says it is, that God is true. And so we're going through this series about, is the Bible really reliable? And there's a quote that uh, Tim Keller said. It says, the Christian faith requires belief in the Bible. And that for us, a crucial piece of our faith journey is, do you believe that the Bible you see in front of you, do you believe it? Do you believe it to be the Word of God? Or do you believe it to be one nice book amongst many other books? And so we're kind of journeying through that. And we broke it down the past two weeks, three weeks, that the Bible is not as mysterious or, or complicated as it really is. It's broken up into how many books in the Old Testament? 39, and that gives you a clue for knowing how many books in the New Testament? Right, because 3 times 9 is? 27, 39. And so when we look at the Bible that it's broken up into genre, you know, the law, history, poetry, and prophecy, Old Testament makes a little more sense. And then the New Testament, it's not just brought together just in a mish pile, but it's the Gospels of Jesus Christ, the history, the acts of the early church, and then all these letters, because these churches are trying to figure out what does it mean to follow Jesus now, and then at the end, the prophecy of what's to come. And so the Bible makes sense when you look at it through those lens, but we do have this skepticism. Can I believe it? So the next two weeks... I'm hoping to address it. Today, uh, we'll be focusing more on the uniqueness of it. Next week, I'm going to hit up all the questions people ask about the Bible. Didn't man write it? Weren't there translations that get it confused? And we're going to talk about that next week. Um, By the way, there are tons of books out there, I realized, on this topic, Apologetics of the Bible. One of my favorite, by the way, before I go on, Josh McDowell, uh, Evidence That Demands a Verdict, Uh, Paul Little, uh, Know Why You Believe. There's a lot of great books, but Josh McDowell is one of the best. So, if I said to you, uh, I don't believe in the Declaration of Independence. I believe George Washington was made up fictional to make America look great. I don't believe that we fought for our liberty from England. I think it's all made up. How would you prove me wrong? You would go through documents, eyewitnesses, records, cross-check it, wouldn't you? And so that's what we do. Uh, what we don't realize is we don't give that same credibility to the Bible. If someone says the Bible is true and you say, well, prove it, the Bible is probably one of the easiest books to prove true historically because there have been so many versions and manuscripts of it, and they all align. Uh, for example, compare that to Shakespeare, William Shakespeare. What, what's, his fav- what's your favorite book from William Shakespeare? Just call it out. Romeo and Juliet. So, everyone knows Romeo and Juliet? Maybe John and I could act it out right now. And so, Romeo and Juliet, but did you know that, Romeo, that Shakespeare wrote 37 plays, and they're all under scrutiny that we don't know which one's truly from William Shakespeare? They have been distorted in translation so that according to one scholar, in every one of William Shakespeare's 37 plays, there are probably 100 readings still in dispute, meaning I don't think he wrote that. I don't think that's what it says. But in the Bible, over 1,800 years from the time of the early, early church, there is zero dispute about the content of the Bible. There is dispute about the interpretation of it, That's why we have Catholic Church and Presbyterian, Lutheran, Methodist. But there is no dispute about the content of it. Does that make sense to you? Let me just hit it home. The Bible has more credibility than William Shakespeare. And William Shakespeare has been around only 208 years. The Bible has been around for over 2,500 years if you include the Old Testament. That's pretty astounding. You know, so... So, when we realize that the Bible is read by more people than anybody else, any other books, published in more languages than any other book, there is something substantial here. It's written over 1,500 years by 40 authors. <laughs> if each of you guys wrote like a paragraph about who is Jason Coe, I bet it would kind of look really messy, you know? I'm not sure if it would really align as well, but just picture 1,500 years, 40 different authors writing about God writing about the work of God, and it just fits together. Um, some of us who are skeptical, did you know that 30 characters, 30 people in the Bible, like Jesus, Gamaliel, you know, John, they're published in non-Christian book manuscripts outside of the church. They're and referred to. So they are real people that non-Christians wrote to prove these were real people. The Dead Sea Scrolls are almost 2,500 years old. Remember, they were found in early 20th century. And these scrolls are 1,000 years old. Isaiah, some of the prophets, they matched it up with what we had. And turns out they're almost perfect, except for like 2%. And so there is this incredible fascination. And lastly, the Paul, Pauline letters, James letters, the brother of Jesus, and Peter, they all wrote these letters. They all wrote it within 15 to 30 years of the time of Jesus. So these are early eyewitness accounts of Jesus, and they're in your Bible right now. We're reading one of them right now. So let me start with this verse. Psalm 119, 160 says, All your words are true. All your righteousness laws are eternal. Second Peter, I'll read it for us. It says this. This is Peter. Remember Peter, the pot disciple, who says, Even if all fall away, I won't fall away. <laughs> and then he denies Jesus three times. You know, he's the one that said, "Jesus, no one will ever hurt you." And Pe- and Jesus says to him, "Peter, get behind me, Satan." So this Peter wrote a letter and it's in our Bible and this is the actual disciple of So he writes, "For we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power, but we were, can you say this of his majesty?" He received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the maj- majestic glory, saying, "This is my Son, whom I love; with him I am well pleased." Isn't that cool? Peter is saying, "I was there." The gospel writers wrote it. I'm telling you, I was there and I heard that too. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. We also had a prophetic message as something completely reliable, and you will do well to pay attention to it. That's a warning. Peter is writing this at the end of his life before he gets crucified upside down. And he's saying, I want you to know this is true and Jesus is coming. Live well. Uh, He says, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. uh, uh, As to the light shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. In other words, no one wrote the Bible opinion rated. They didn't write, I feel like God's like this. Let me write God like this. They were writing down what God placed in them. So verse 21, uh, For prophecy never had its origins in the human will, but prophets through humans spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Wow. Peter is saying, answering a question that we have in 21st century, didn't people write it? And he's saying, in the, in the first century, this was an issue back then, and he's telling us he, no one wrote it out of their own imagination. Uh, one of the apologetic books says this, if someone wrote this man-made, by the way, no one would have women find Jesus' empty tomb as the first people to discover the resurrection. They would not have done that if they made it up. It would go control, culturally counterintuitive to their cause because in that time, women had no credibility in the culture. So why would the writers use women as the key witness for the greatest event in history? They wouldn't. And so why did they write it? Because that's how it happened. You know, why would they writers write about how buffoon that Peter was, that Peter denied Jesus three times, how he made himself look so silly? Well, you don't need that in a narrative unless it happened. And so, Peter is saying all these things, and he's saying like Han Solo, it's true, all of it. I was there. And so, why is it true, Peter? Let's ask him, Peter, why is it true? And he answers it in verse 16. For we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Now, here's a fun part. What year is it today? 2017. 2017. Uh, And 20 years ago, it was, do you guys remember 1997? That's a weird reaction. Some of you are going, yeah. 1997, I just graduated college. Do you remember, tell me if this is true or false, ready? 1997, Mike Tyson bit off Evander Holyfield's ear. True, that happened. Remember, 1997, it was 20 years ago. Evander Holyfield still got a hole in his head, uh, ear. 1997, the Green Bay Packers won the Super Bowl over the New England Patriots. True or false? false. True, it happened. True, it happened. <laughs> 1997, Jason Coe was driving a Porsche GTR. True. <laughs> no, dreaming, dreaming. Hot Wheels. <laughs> 1997, Bill Clinton was the president of the United States. No. True. What if I told you, no, Hillary Clinton was the president of the United States. You got it all wrong. True, that's funny, all right. True or false, we had the iPhone back in 1997. Okay, how do you know which one's true and false? You were there. If I said to you Hillary Clinton was a president in 1997, you'd be like, first of all, Jason, I was alive. First, second of all, there's books. Within 20 years, folks, you can't make up legends. You can't make up exaggerations. Within 20 years, you cannot make up story about a God who walked on earth, and people will believe you. No way. If I say to you, in 1997, I was the vice president of the United States, you just don't know that. I didn't put it on my resume. Some of you would be like, wow, he was vice president. No! You'll be, Jason, stop kidding around, get back to the Bible and start telling the truth and repent. And so what's the point here? Within 20 years, the things that are written down can be contested. Peter is writing this 30 years after Jesus died. Everything he's saying is, I was there. This is true. Pauline Gospels were written within 20 years of Jesus. And so all these things are coming together And so this was not man-made, whereas Shakespeare, written 208 years, were disputing whether which parts are real or not. So so he's saying all these people wrote it, and all those people that wrote letters, Peter, Paul, James, the brother of Jesus, Paul was decapitated by Nero. Peter was crucified upside down on the cross by Nero. James was allegedly pushed off the temple. He didn't die, so they beat him to death. All three of them wrote letters that are in our Bibles and saying, it's true. And they said, if you don't stop telling this blabber, you will die. And they died. Folks, I'm a joker. I love practical jokes. But there is no practical joke that I would do to fool you that will cause me to die. I'm dying and I say, well, at least I fooled them. That was a good one. And then I die. But 10 out of the original 12 disciples died as martyrs writing this, what's in your Bible, in your pew at this moment. So there's some compelling things. So Peter goes on, verse 17 and 18. He received, Jesus received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory saying, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. That's so cool, by the way. I was with Jesus. Wow, I mean, because when you read that text in Mark chapter 9, I believe, you know, where, where it says Peter and John and, and the disciple whom Jesus loved, you know they were with Jesus when he was transfigured before them. You're always wondering, what are they thinking? And we get a glimpse of Peter. It was majestic. It was true. This wasn't a light show, folks. We're in the first century Palestine. This was a radiant glory of God. How could that happen? Because Jesus was God. You can't make this stuff up. And what Peter has just done there is he just said, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're all true, the Gospels. Read it. This is the account of Jesus. So verse 19, he continues on. We also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable, and you will do well to pay attention to it. As to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. He's saying there's a prophetic message here. You are all in darkness. I was in darkness. We are all in darkness. How do you escape out of darkness? You need a light that shines through it. Doesn't that sound like John as well? A light shines in darkness, and the darkness cannot understand it. He's saying, Jesus, the light, the Savior, has shone in. It wasn't, this is why I can't believe other religions. Other religions, one author wrote the Koran, one author wrote the Book of Mormons, one author wrote the the articles from the Jehovah's Witnesses. This Bible was written by 40 people pointing at one reality the Savior is coming. And His name is Jesus Christ. He is God, period. He died and He rose again. And so this is what the disciples are dying for. This is what we, by the way, in 21st century exist for. We don't exist in church, by the way, so we could be blessed. You don't, I, I would actually argue, this sounds, don't get me in trouble. You could probably have a happier life by not being affiliated with church if you live for this world. Sometimes church world gets messy. You know, politics, trauma, gossip. Sometimes just go bowling every Sunday. Just stay away from people. But why do we do this? Because church is full of people that live in darkness that have been saved by a light. And this is where hypocrites go. This is where we acknowledge, boy, we are so lost without a savior. And so this is who we are. So this Savior, Jesus Christ, is a miracle. It's a prophetic truth. Um, just a few things. 700 years before Jesus, he fulfills over uh, like hundreds of prophecies. In particular, I'll share some of these things. In Micah chapter 5, verse 2, it says, But you, Bethlehem, you were, though you were small, out of you will come one who will be the ruler of Israel. That was written like 400 years before Jesus. Isaiah, Zechariah 11:12. I told you these things. Uh, I think if you give it best, give me my pay. But if it not, keep it. So they paid me thirty pieces of silver, foreshadowing Jesus was betrayed for how much? Thirty pieces of silver coin. Isaiah 53. Thirty-eight references in Isaiah 53 alone about the crucifixion of Jesus. For example, in verse seven, Jesus silent as he was accused by his accusers. Verse twelve, Jesus was condemned along with criminals as a criminal. And verse 5, Jesus was pierced after he was dead. How do you make this stuff up, by the way? Did Jesus read Isaiah 53 and say, I want it to be just like this? Make sure somebody pierces my side, and the way I die, I need you to put me next to criminals. Psalm 22, 24 references in the, to the New Testament. Just a few. Psalm 22, verse 8, Jesus was insulted um, uh, he's by people in Matthew It says he was insulted, he couldn't save himself when he saves others. Matthew chapter 27, prophecy comes true. People hurl insults and say, he saved others, but he can't save himself. How does that happen? 400 years apart, 700 years apart. Psalm 22 verse 18, they divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. That's Old Testament Psalm. And in John 19, 24, it says, under Jesus' feet, as he was hanging on the cross, the soldiers were saying, let's not tear it, let's divide it and see who gets a lot. Wow. How do you make this stuff up? To fulfill everything Jesus fulfilled of the Messiah, it it just takes a miracle. And so Peter writes, and this is where we wrap up, verse 20, 21, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets through humans spoke from God as though they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Peter is saying, the whole Bible, folks, the way you have to look at it is, yes, people wrote it, but they're like the pens, if you heard this analogy. When I write a letter, I I use a pen. How many of you believe the pen wrote the letter? Anyone? I'm not going to say it. So there's a pen who wrote the letter, the letters, but what is driving the pen? It's my hand, which is connected to my elbow, shoulder, my brain. And so these things are just incredible how God has wrote his words and his thoughts to us. And so Josh McDowell was sharing this story, and there was a time when salesmen used to go sell Encyclopedia Britannica. Do you remember those? And then so there was some guy came to recruit him and said, hey, we'd like to sell you the greatest books of history. And so he let him speak five minutes, and Josh McDowell said, my turn. And Josh McDowell said to him, I challenge him to take 10 of the authors from all these great books and from one generation and one place and one continent, and he asked them this question. Would they, would these authors all agree on what they wrote? Would they connect? And the salesperson said, of course not. So Josh McDowell was saying, well, let me tell you, over 1,500 years, 40 people wrote separately, not knowing one another, and that's how we got the Bible, and they all connect. And he says this, two days later, he committed his life to Jesus. What's all this? Very simple. Any person sincerely seeking truth would at least consider a book with the unique qualifications of the Bible. There is something extraordinary about the Bible. It is not a homework. It is where we know the heart and the story of God, and we know our story. And when a church only opens a Bible to hear from a sermon, you are missing out. And so right now in Lent, we're reading a chapter of John every day, and we're at John chapter 11 tomorrow, hint, hint. And so we're journeying together to say you suck in and soak in the word of God. And I want us to leave us with this thought and I'll pose it for next week. This is what apologetists say. If you're a skeptic of the Bible, welcome. We're not bashing you. We're not going to make fun of you. We're not, hey, we were skeptics too. But here's an honest question that I'll leave you with. Two honest questions. Is it that you can't believe the Bible is true, or is it that you won't believe the Bible is true? Because every evidence points to the reality. This is the living word. And I figure when I talk to people, the reason why they don't want a Bible to be true is not because they're such scholars and they want truth. If the Bible is true, the Bible has stuff in it that I disagree with, The Bible has stuff in it that God did that I disagree with. But if that's the case, let me ask you a bigger question. The bigger question is this. Are you going to settle for a God that only fits your mold? If that's true, you don't have a God big enough that's true. You've made up your own God. But a true God will have us look and think outside the box and realize where am I in my truth in the reality of who God is? And so the uniqueness of the Bible is that he wrote it. Second Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is God-breathed and is used for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So next week as we explore this, we're going to hit up some questions and have, some, have a good time. But in the meantime, would you explore this and say, God, if this is true, help me to see you in it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you. Just beginning the stages of exploring whether our truth and reality comes from our experiences, our own opinions, or does it come from an objective reality and truth? There are a lot of holy books out there, God. And as we think thoughtfully and historically and scholarly, as well as spiritually, may we recognize that you're not a God trying to fool us or play with us, but you're trying to reveal you to a world that's running away from you. Make your word clear to us. Soften our hearts that we would receive it and that we would be able to know that your word is not to just give us rules, but to communicate your love and hope and the hope for this world. As Peter is conveying to his listeners, you are the example for the world before the coming of Jesus Christ. May we live with that urgency as we anchor into your word, God. And we pray these things as the living word taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Would you all stand together for our final